Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Amen. His kingdom comes, part two. His message has power. How many of you know this message still has power for the saint and the sinner still today? There is a gospel message, and that message still has power, and that's what we're going to talk about today. His kingdom comes, the message has power. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, you know, in a world mostly of bad news, how many know it's good to hear some good news now and again? It's, I mean, I, say, I feel like I need some good news. Thank God for our Gina Times right here in the front row. Uh, you know, get some good news. Uh, but you know, it's amazing what good news can do to you, that it can literally change you. Good news can actually change you. Let me give you an example. Uh, your boss decides to tell you, hey, you can go home today early with full pay. Man, that's going to change you, right? Somebody say amen. That will change your position. You were at work. Your position now is at home in the recliner, and your condi condition is relaxation, right? It's joy. Man, he tells you that, or she tells you that. It changes your position of where you are, but it also changes your condition. Let me give you another example. When that doctor told me that, hey, sir, uh, sir it's a baby girl, right? That power, that authority of that doctor, he or she changed my position. Before I was not a parent, but now I am a parent. I was changed in position, but it was the joy I felt that made me a parent, made me feel like a parent, right? The power, the authority of that doctor performed that procedure and changed my position to be a parent, but my condition was changed when that joy came in. Nobody can make me feel that joy, that baby that made me feel that joy, and I felt for the first time like a parent. You see how good news works? It can change your position and your condition. Or let me give you another one. What if the doctor comes in and says, we got all the cancer. You're good to go. Man, doesn't that good news change you? It changed before you were over here. But when you heard that authority, that power, talk to you and tell you, by our work, we've changed your position from cancer to cancer-free. But what changed your condition? The joy of that good news. The doctor didn't just do that. There was a two-part. There was a change in your condition and a change in your position. Both. Or go, go, go even further. The bank says to you, you've been, it's like Monopoly. Pasco, you're going to collect $1,000, right, inflation. Collect $1,000 credited to your account. That authority made a deposit into your account. Your position is changed to $1,000 more inheritance, right? But your condition is, whoo, baby, we're going to Texas Roadhouse tonight, right? I mean, that's your position. The joy, uh, the, your condition is the joy. Your position is more money in the bank. Good news has the power to change you. It has the power to change your position and your condition. That's why I can tell you today that the good news of Jesus Christ still has power. It still has power to change your position and power to change your condition. Position is the place you're in. It's your location. It's your situation. Position is the state of things around you. That's my position. But my condition is the form I'm in. It's how I feel. It's my disposition. It's the state of things in me. So position is the state of things around me. It's where I'm at. It's the state of things around me. But condition is the place that I'm 
in spiritually, emotionally, internally. It's the condition of things inside of me. It's the state of things inside of me. So when Paul says that he has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, man, I know he's changed not just my position, but I've also felt a change in my condition. Somebody say amen. Man, the good news changes where you are, and it changes where you are on the inside. And that good news still works back then, and that good news still works today. Here's the thing, though. You've got to believe it, like we sang, to receive it. I've got to believe that that doctor got all the cancer for me to feel cancer free. I've got to believe that this child is mine and that's my kid. I've got to believe that my boss says, you can go home early. My authority is for you. I'm going to pay the rest of the day. Now go relax in my free work that I've done. I believe the word of that authority. I change by faith my position. And because I believe that word, it also changes my condition. Are you with me today? Man, the good news still has power. And it should be changing your position and your condition. Your condition and your position. You know, David in Psalms 145, I think it's on the screen. Here's what we, he said. He said, they shall speak of your glory of your kingdom. There's that word kingdom. And the talk, and they shall talk of your power. To make known the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of your majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. Here's David. He gets the gospel really early. He's cool like that. David says, man, I want people to talk about the power of God. I want people to hear the good news of God's kingdom, that it's an everlasting kingdom. And David is there meditating in the night watches. He's thinking about how awesome God is and how the good news of God's kingdom has changed him, his position and his condition. And he begins to write about it. And he begins to shout about it in the temple. He says, I want everyone to know. God's kingdom is awesome. God is gracious. He's compassionate. He saves you. He has grace towards those who turn to him. And he's writing Psalms 145. And he gets excited how God has done something in him. And he says, I want everyone to talk about this power. I want everyone around me to talk about this power. And, and what heart is that? Now think about that today. Today, I feel like sometimes in the church, many are not as excited about David, about the good news of God's kingdom. We're not wanting others to talk about his power. Do I go to work? Do I go to school? I don't say, I want people today to talk about the power of God. I want people in my community to be talking about the power of God. I, this good news has changed my condition and my position, and so much so that I want people to talk about the kingdom and the power of God. And that's David. Why isn't why is it that we maybe don't feel that way, perhaps, that David felt? Number one, maybe we've never experienced the change. Number one is maybe you've never actually experienced that good news that's really changed your position and changed your condition, that's really changed you with joy, so much so like David, I want everybody to know this. I, want, I can't stop talking about it. Jeremiah said, i got a fire shut up in my bones. I have something inside of me that's got to get out. I want people to know my position and my condition has changed. I'm free of cancer, y'all. I, I had a new baby. Man, you want people to know. You're posting on Facebook. Shh, shh, shh. Everyone has to know this power has changed me. David's the same way. Maybe you've never experienced it. I may be number one. Or number two is maybe you've experienced it a long time ago. And maybe that good news is kind of old news. Maybe that good news that once filled you with joy so much so that you wanted everyone to talk about the power of God. Maybe that joy is just kind of 
back there somewhere. Here's what I want you to know today. Number one is that gospel message still has power for the sinner, but it also still has power for the saint. It's still good news today for everyone who believes it. And I don't care when you first heard it, it can still do the same thing to you to get again today. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Is the good news still good news? Is the good news of God's kingdom, does it still have power? Does it still work? Perhaps you want to believe it today, but you've never experienced it for yourself, or perhaps today you're in a dark place. You're tired of the position and the condition you're living in, and you're ready for some good news again. This good news still has power to change your position and your condition. So give me the, let me give you the background, Matthew 4, 23. In the garden, God gave Adam and Eve a kingdom. He says, Adam, you're going to rule and have dominion over everything on the earth. Everything, I've made it for you. I've done the work. Adam, you have reign. You have dominion. This is, this is my kingdom, but I'm letting you have dominion over my work. Well, you know the story. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They're tempted by Satan, the tempter, the deceiver, that liar, the devil, who's been a murderer from the beginning. Jesus says he comes and he, he tricks them. And they, in their authority that God had given them, they were supposed to have dominion even over the devil. They were supposed to have dominion over everything except under God. That's what God gave them, this kingdom, dominion, its power. It's yours, Adam. But they were tricked. They took the fruit, they ate, and they lost it. Satan stole the authority over the earth. You know this, that the kingdom of darkness began to rule over the kingdom of man. And we were submissive. Our eyes were blind, Paul says, that we were uh, lost. And the God of this age had blinded the uh, minds of unbelieving hearts that we couldn't see the reality that we live between three kingdoms, a kingdom of God, a kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of man. And our kingdom fell. We were fallen underneath the devil's power. Hell ruled, death ruled, sickness ruled, sin ruled, and we did not understand. We were powerless over our tendency to do the right thing. We couldn't do it. We were, we were always doing wrong, always like sheep, always going astray, Paul said, the uh, psalmist said. And so then, here's the good news. God, before he ever kicked them out of the garden to spare their life for eternity, says, I'm going to give you a son. Eve, you're going to have a son, and he's going to crush the serpent's head. Amen. Amen. So John, 1 John says that Jesus appeared, the Son of God appeared to what? Destroy the works of the devil. He came and he appeared. He comes and he tell, uh, the angel tells Mary he's going to have a kingdom that is without end. He's going to be Son of God and Son of Man. And he's going to show the establishment of God's kingdom. He's come to redeem and take back the authority that man once lost. He's going to be a man who gains what Adam lost back. He's a new Adam. He's come to take back authority and destroy the works of the devil. So here's what happened. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus was going through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the what? Gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness among the people. Three things today. The gospel is the power of a king. It's the power for a sinner and it's the power still of the saint. Number one is the gospel is the power of a king. What is the gospel? 
Well, uh, it's not a style of music, by the way. There's gospel music, just good old gospel greats. How many listen to gospel greats growing up, right? The gospel greats, I can still hear the intro coming on in my, vo- in my head, all those tracks my parents used to listen to. All right, I'm not going to sing it for you, but there's a tune for, for those of you. The gospel great. Anyway, all right, uh, so the gospel, it's not a style of music. Gospel uh, is from the word that we get evangelize. It means to evangel. It means to spread or herald a good message, a good news. It is great tidings. It's glad tidings of great joy. It's a herald. It is a positive message despite what the world would tell you. It's a positive message and it was always given perhaps in advance before the army came home from a battle, they would send a runner back home to the, uh, the city gates and say, we won, we won, we won in battle. And the heralder would bring glad tidings. He would be proclaiming a good news that we won the battle. Or perhaps there was a baby king. The new prince was just born. And they, the king and the queen would send a heralder throughout the streets and say, we've got a new prince. The son is born of the king. He's here, he's here. And the whole city would shout and say, Yay, we got a king. Or maybe a new king took over your city and came into power, and they would send a heralder and say, This land is now part of this kingdom, and y'all are now under our authority, our protection, our rule. And that's where the word gospel comes from. It is a heralding about a king and about a kingdom. Somebody say amen. It's good news that there is a king, and the good news, the Bible says that we have now a king of kings and a lord of lords who came to destroy the world works of the devil and cast out the power that he once had over your kingdom. There was a king that was born of a virgin in a manger and he came lowly in on a day con riding on a donkey and he died on a cross for you and he was raised to new life again and he's sitting at the right hand of the father and making intercession for you. That's the gospel. It's the birth, the life, the death, the risen, the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's the message about a king and his kingdom. It's not a preaching style. It's not a worship style. It's about a king and a kingdom. Man, it's good news. It's good news. Maybe you've been in church for so many years and you're like, what is the gospel? It's a message that there's a new king in town. And he's come to take authority over all the works of the enemy. And that's what you see happening here. Jesus comes and it says, and he says they pre- he preached, the time is fulfilled in Mark 1.15, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. He has power to redeem a fallen man. He was doing what Paul said, transferring us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You know, the prophets foretold it, the apostles witnessed it, and God himself confirmed it. He was born, he lived, he died, he rose, and he's coming back. Somebody say amen. Man, that's what it means. It means everything I have is in Him, and I'm trusting in His work. I'm declared legally innocent of my sin. I'm made a friend and a child of God. I'm born again and made holy by the Spirit of God that He freely gave me when He gave it to His church. I love what Paul said in Acts 26. What is this gospel message about a king? He said that Paul, Paul said, he said, this is what God told me to do, to preach this good news that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. Yours can be the kingdom because his is the kingdom. This good news is about a king and a kingdom. The gospel is good news about a king and his kingdom. But the gospel is also power for the sinner. So let's look at that part. It's power for the sinner. 
You know, a kingdom, it needs a place, a territory uh, to reign, you know, to, to the king to have. It needs a people to live there. We talked about this last time. It's a place, it's a people, but it's also a power. That king has to have authority to rule over that people, to protect that territory, to expand into new territory, so that gospel message is not just some words floating out there in the ether. That gospel message is a declaration of that king's authority of that king's power. And like I told you earlier, good news literally can change you. It's not just something, you know, oh, I heard some words, but that good news has power. Just the message alone can change your position and your condition. That, that was just words I heard about being a new father, but it changed me. My position and condition were changed when I heard the words. When you believe the report that you hear, it changes you. It literally can change you, and it can change still today the darkest sinner. What was Jesus doing? He was defeating darkness. Little did we know. We were all struggling, Paul says, against not just flesh and blood, but rulers and powers and world forces and darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness, he says, in heavenly places. We were submissive to a kingdom we couldn't see, and so Jesus came and he began to demonstrate this power. How many of you saw his power today? Matthew 9, 35, he was going through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of what? The gospel of the kingdom. Not the gospel of church attendance, the gospel of the kingdom. He was healing every kind of disease, every kind of sickness. Luke 9:11 says he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God, and he was curing those who had need of a healing. In several places in the gospel says he healed all of them. All of them. He just he healed all of them. Why was he doing that? He was demonstrating something. I don't just have power to save the soul, I have power to heal the body. I have power to cast out everything that comes under the realm of Satan's kingdom. Sickness is not under God's kingdom. Kingdom. That's not God's plan. It's under Satan's kingdom. That's part of the fall. He has power over sickness, disease, he, uh, demons. He, he, he says, I can do this. I want you to know who I am. I'm coming not just to tell you to go to church more. I'm coming to show you, you can leave this kingdom and come to my kingdom. There's a good news. I have power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. I'm showing you my power, my authority, my dominion is bigger than anything you've ever seen before. Man, that's good. You know, uh, I wonder sometimes if we still believe this uh, today. I still believe that Jesus does the same things he did back when. He still does it again today. Uh, talk about healing. Even uh, just a few months ago, I was in a conference with pastors uh, here in our state. And right there in the service, someone prayed for a pastor who was completely deaf in that ear. And that ear was completely healed by the end of that service. And, and I, I testified, that's true, true story. Uh, we have, where's Lonnie? Lonnie's in the back. Lonnie can tell you that he was healed of what the doctors believe was stage 4 cancer just a few years ago. Totally, even today, still miraculously uh, healed. What they knew for certain was going to be cancer, and he was going to have to go through all kinds of chemo and take out his intestines and all. You can hear more about that after service. Man, God still heals today. God still delivers today. I remember when we first started ministry in, in a campus ministry, and our campus pastors cast four demons out of this young girl. And who was finding herself uh, totally taken over by these, these demons and these spirits. And, and uh, they cast four out of her. They put her in my small group. And not only was she saved, by the end of that year, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she was leading other students to be baptized in the Spirit of God as well. 
How do you know God still does that? Even just the other day, I was talking to one of our pastors in the state who just got back from uh, South America, and they were telling how many students, how many teenagers were being delivered of demons still today under all this witchcraft that is in South America. God is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Whether you believe it or not, He is. He, it is you don't have to believe it. He is demonstrating His power in the world still today. You just have to believe. See, Satan had bound up man, but Jesus broke in and bound the strong man, he said. Everywhere he went, he preached kingdom. He delivered people from demons. He set people free from sickness. And it was proof that as both God and man, he was restoring this kingdom authority that Adam lost. He preached the gospel to the poor, proclaimed release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freed those who were oppressed, and proclaimed, he said, the favor of God this year. So here's the question. Are you captive? You may not, today you may say, Pastor, I'm not really into some sickness. I'm pretty sure I don't have any demons. I'm not, there's not a lot of stuff I'm captive by. Well, we're all captive to something. We're all captive to sin. And let me tell you something. We're all captive to death. You and I are captive. There's no way none of us are going to escape it without Jesus Christ. We're all going to die. We're all captive to something. And Jesus came to a messed up, broken, miserable people. He says, I'm coming to a people who are poor in spirit. They know they got problems. I thank God we have a sign on the front of our church. Welcome to the broken. Because we have to admit we are all messed up in need of a Savior. We are all sick in our soul. We are all captive to sin, death, and hell. And the grave has hold on us. And if we don't admit we have a mess in our life, there's no way He can touch you. He came to a messed up, broken people. And you've got to be messed up and say, God, I need a touch. I need a great physician. I need a healer. You see, there is a power for those who are poor in spirit, who want freedom from sin, freedom from failure of their own works, freedom from the oppression of Satan's kingdom. And it's good news for every single person who wants to see God. Jesus came to a miserable people, and you've got to be miserable in your sin. You've got to get so sick of it. You've got to get so sick of it. Doesn't God, he didn't come to a perfect people. He came to a messed up people. Say, God, I'm tired of this kingdom I'm living. I'm tired of the world and the way it works. I'm so tired. He came to poor people and broken people and lepro, uh, people with leprosy and tax collectors and prostitutes, people who were oppressed of all the religious works. And they said, God, we're crying out. God, send us a king and put us in a new kingdom. We want you, Messiah. And that's who Jesus is still coming to today. You've got to realize your need for him. That's why he says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. What is repentance? It requires a turning from sin and turning to God. Repentance means I no longer love my sin. In fact, I hate my sin. It's more than conviction. It's a conscious change. A conscious change to not live where I was, but to live where he's called me to live. You know, uh, his cross... Uh, you're gonna, some of your theologians may check me on this, but his cross, Christ's cross, did not give Jesus power over Satan. You know why? He already had power over Satan, but you didn't. But you didn't. It wasn't about him getting power over, the, over Satan. It was about you getting power over Satan. He already had all authority. His kingdom was without end. He was already seated in the throne of God. He was already going to have dominion over Satan. But you didn't have dominion over Satan. So when he comes, he humbles himself and he dies on a cross so that you can live with him. And let me tell you something, sir or ma'am, if you want to live with him, you've got to go to that cross too. You've got to die with Christ to live with Christ. You've got to go down into the grave with Christ to come back up 
up with Christ. That means you've got to die to your sin and yourself. You've got to die to society. You've got to die to this kingdom. You've got to get so sick of how this world works, so sick of its lusts of the flesh and lusts of the eyes and the pride of life. I'm, I'm so tired of this world that we live in and say, God, I'm looking for a home that is not here on this place. I'm looking for a heavenly place. Like Abraham, I'm looking for a city whose foundations and architect is God, who has prepared a place for me. And I can have that kingdom right here, right now. I don't have to wait until glory comes. I can have his kingdom now. But I've got to get so sick of this one. I find sometimes maybe we're not that sick of it yet. We like our creature comforts. We like this earthly thing. I like a little bit of my sin. I like to hold on to some of those things. But I've got to get sick of it so I can turn from it and turn to him. And what happens when you repent? Paul says you can believe. And he says this gospel it is the power. Somebody say power. power. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is power. It's a good news that changes your position and on the inside changes your condition. And you don't have to live like everybody else lives. You don't have to be in the same place everybody else is. You don't have to have the same feelings everybody else has because you've got good news. And that good news is power to everyone who believes it. I believe what that doctor said. I believe what that, that my boss said. I believe what that bank said. I believe it, and I receive it. And that good news became power. And it changed me not only where I was, but who I am on the inside. How many people want God to, people to talk about the power of God? Man, we want the whole king, all this whole world to be talking about the power of God. So the gospel is power for the saint, and it's uh, power for the sinner and power for the saint. Lastly is this. The gospel is power for the saint. This power... Did it end when you got saved? No. I think many church-going Christians, sometimes we recognize church just becomes this powerless program. Like Paul said in the last days, it becomes just a form of godliness, and we deny its power. But the kingdom of God, he, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, does not just consist in words, but in power. Yeah, you got it. The kingdom of God is not just a bunch of words, but it's power. So how do we get this power daily in our life? How do we as saints, as Christians, as people who've experienced it, not let it become old news, but stay in the good news? Well, he told his disciples, go out and perform a healing. He says, I'm going to send you out, pair up as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give it away. This gospel is not about you. You're not the power, but the gospel is the power. It wasn't about them and how perfect they were and how they had it all together. They said, just proclaim the gospel because the gospel is power. So maybe we're just, you know, not, not that we're saying, oh, God, I need to get better. I need to learn more verses. I need to go to church more. I need to get my life all together. It's not about you. The gospel will work. The gospel is power alone. Maybe we're just not proclaiming it. Maybe we're just not telling it. Maybe we're not heralding, heralding it like we should. He says, proclaim it. We say, well, God, I'm, I feel like I'm lacking. So, okay. The disciples here, he's going up to heaven. What are we going to do? Jesus, you're leaving us. He says, well, I've got someone coming in my stead. It's better for you that I go up there. I'm going to send him down uh, here. He's the comforter, the promise of the Father. He's coming. He says, I want you to, he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. And John 20 says, here's the Holy Spirit. You believe. You see the side. You see my side. Yep. You see my hands. Yep. You believe. I'm resurrected. Yep. He breathes on them. John 20, 20. They receive the Holy Spirit. He says, they receive, they breathe the Holy Spirit. Just like Adam, new birth comes in their life. John, uh, Nicodemus says, unless you're 
you're born again. You've received the breath of God. You can't go to the heaven. So they receive the breath of God. He says, but wait till you receive what? Power. Acts 1, 7, and 8. I want you to look at there. Look at Acts 1, 7, because that's really, we don't read that one a whole lot. Because I want you to get this before we go today. I know I'm going, running out of time. Acts 1, 7. They looked at Jesus and they say, yeah, 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 I got that. Okay. But Jesus, when will the kingdom come? When are you going to come back? I'm waiting for the white horse and the angels and, and just get these governments out of here and, and just establish it. Come on. Is this it? Is this the time? You're going up to heaven. You're going to come right back down, and then the kingdom's going to come. Man, it, and he says, it's not for you to know the times and seasons God has fixed by his own authority. But as for you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. you notice he didn't answer their question. Yeah, I love that about Jesus. Sometimes he just, I'm going to tell you the answer you should have been asking the question for. When is the kingdom coming? How can we live in the kingdom? When are you going to take over the world? He says, that's the wrong question, but here's the right answer. You need power. You need kingdom power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit that I've been walking in. That kingdom power is not just for me, it's for you. And every person in the church, I'm going to give you kingdom power. You're going to, I may not have the kingdom coming down just yet, but until I come back, you're going to have the power of the kingdom walking in you. And you're going to go and be witnesses, martyrs is the real word, from this place into that place into the next place. And when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to the end of the world, then I'm coming back. But until then, Go and receive power. Go get the power. You know, I still need gospel power today. I don't care what denomination or background you come from. It's not just saving power it's for just getting saved. It's a living power. It's a power for just not just that moment when you confess Christ and He changes you for the first time, but He can change you this day and the next day and the next day and the next day. It's a living kingdom power for you and for your children and your children's children until He comes again. So that good Good news is good news. Every day I get up, it's good news for me. It's a power for you. It's a power for you. Wait until you are clothed with power. Be immersed in the Holy Spirit, he said. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, you see these commands in Scripture. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were continually filled. Somebody say filled. Continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. See, they just didn't lose it. They kept getting it over and over again. You know, in Scripture, the word filled, it means to come under the influence of something else. It means to be taken over by that thing. The word filled, sometimes I feel like, let's just be honest, sometimes I feel like we get saved, and then we're just gradually waiting for God to show up again. And we really, and while I'm always saved, I believe once you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you, you are sealed for redemption. There's nothing that can take that away from you, no demon in hell, nor man, that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You trust in God by faith, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And we shouldn't go through life with emotionalism and all that and need touches and goosebumps. I believe that. But I also know that we are commanded in Scripture to be continuously filled. And the word filled, uh, it is always instantaneous every time it happens. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never came up on someone gradually. It says the Holy Spirit came upon that prophet. He came upon them suddenly. He anointed like Aaron with the oil. It came upon them. It was a moment that they recognized and knew, I've met with God today. I'm a student of church history. You can go back through church history from the 700 years after Christ 
all the way to now to the Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Church of God, to the Lutheran, the Calvinists, every single people who've seen great works of God talk about how God filled them at different moments. Filled them at different moments. It's an upon you thing. It's not just a one-time thing. It's that sometimes I get desperately dry. I don't know about you. I think God allows me to get desperately dry so that I can get desperate again for Him. He allows you to go through seasons so that you're not trying to live this life apart from Him. And I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a upon me moment. It's an anointing where God comes and He meets with you. And every person in Scripture and in church history, when they were filled by God, it wasn't a, I think I've been filled. It was a moment you knew you met with God. It was an experience where God touched you and filled you again. You were always saved, yes, but you can still be filled and filled and filled and filled. How many people believe that? I need moments with God where I feel His power again. I need moments with God that I realize this wildness of God, it's not just salvation and then I'm waiting around. But when you go from glory, you go from glory to glory to glory. When you go to eternity, you will, with all the angels, continue to bow down and look up and say, wow, how great God is. Mm. Wow, how great God is. Wow. How, you will never cease in amazement of God. And so even on this life, I need continual wow moments. I need moments of power to come back into my life. Great men of God from every denomination Declare the filling of the Holy Spirit is necessary for the continued life of power in the Christian life. It's a tangible confirmation of the coming of the Holy Spirit upon you. And I don't care what happens to you. Some say, well, I need to speak in tongues or I need to do that. I don't care what. I just want you to be filled. I want you to just to have the Holy Spirit come upon you at moments where you know I've met with God today. I've met with God. I've met with God in weeping and rejoicing in tongues and prophecy and dreams and visions. I've met with God alone in a deer stand on my own in a field. I've met with God here in this front altar and I have moments with God painting the trim of my dining room on the floor. Moments where I have felt the power of God come into my life. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled and filled and filled. So it's power for the sinner and it's power still for the saint. But you've got to believe it to receive it. You've got to be empty. Just like the sinner has to repent and believe, man, there's a continued repentance of the saint. There's a continued crucifixion of the self. You know, A.W. Tozer, great hero of mine, he says, you are as full as you want to be. You are as full as you want to be. The problem is, he says, we still desire that little sin. We still like to keep our excuses. We don't really want to be desperate for more of God. We're satisfied just as we are. And that's fine. You can go to heaven and be sealed with God. And, but man, don't you want more of God? Don't you want more of God? And I believe there's more for me. This is the repentance of the sin. He says this. He says, you have got to want the filling of the Holy Spirit bad enough that you're miserable without it. That you're miserable without it. I believe the gospel is still power to change my position, whether I'm a sinner or a saint, to change me and take me deeper into him. And then when I experience him, it's not just going to change my position. It's going to change my condition too. 
moments of power. You were saved so that you could be filled, continually filled with the Spirit. Would you pray with me this morning, Father? God, I've done the best I can. Lord, your word has got to take us to a place where the message of the king and his kingdom is still power for us who believe it. Power for those of us who are willing to receive it. God, beyond all explanation of man, it's just faith. Faith to believe that there is a king who can rescue me out of the pit of darkness, of sin, of death, of sickness and disease, that he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's power still for every lost person. And all we've got to do is turn to you, repent, and believe, and that power will become ours. That good news, and we believe that good news is for us.